Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to the most extreme menage trois violence you'll ever experience on the Extreme Three Way Dance episode number sixty four. I am JT, and joining me as always in this dangerous three way is Matt and Jenny. How are you guys doing? I am fucking fantastic. How are y'all? Always uh, ready. Always ready to get extreme over here. Mm-hmm. Ready to get bloody. Baseball's mm-hmm. back, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm break out the uh the bar- you know uh, what would make uh baseball more exciting is in this day and age is if they use barbed wire baseball bats i've always said that mm. mm-hmm. and maybe attempted to break each other's necks uh like shane douglas right exactly does uh so i guess we should just mention it here uh you might have heard in our open <laughs> that we had a, a brand new audio drop from the one and only franchise shane douglas and francine and that's because at wrestlecon in Dallas, Jenny, we met both of them and um, also Tommy Dreamer. And yeah. it was pretty awesome. It was very awesome. And what was funny was that you were very nervous about going up to the table and I had to pressure mm-hmm. you into doing it. And and then once we got there, it was like, boom. And they just talked to us for like 20 minutes and they were amazing. And yeah. they were marking out that we were marking out a little bit. They were. They were super cool. And I, I'm just always, like, weird at, at those. I don't know why. <laughs> mm. um, like, I, I never know what to say. I'm just awkward. And for someone that's done a bunch of pro wrestling Skype interviews and, like, yeah. been around a lot of different wrestlers in different settings, I, I don't know why at those conventions, I just always, like, freeze up. And uh, I, it, it, it cost me meeting Sonny before she's probably going to jail for life. Um, <laughs> back in 2018 in Philadelphia, she had no line, and I stood there. And I just, I even had, I, like, I joke about it, I even had the line, like, we have the same birthday. It's like a, oh it's an God. opening right there. It is. You know, so <laughs> it's like a perfect, and by the way, your posters are on my walls in adolescence. So, um, you know, two big openings. And I never did it. So I just, I don't know, I'm always just weird about it. Like, I don't, I never know what to say. And I felt that way with Tommy a little bit, but mm-hmm. Shane and Francine made it super easy um, to talk to. Yes. And yeah, they spent a good, like, 25 minutes with us, at least, like, just talking and we weren't looking for like insider stories, right? We were just like, oh, you know, we told about the podcast. We said, you know, we were watching different stuff. And 
this era of 96 and it holds up well and we were kind of throwing lobbing like things out that we like and they <laughs> were like that just time telling you us, did this and that was awesome <laughs> yeah they were just like talking about it which was cool yeah. you know yeah. they were just like we're like oh remember the time you know shane was in a speedo in the pond and they're like <laughs> oh my god you know and they told the whole story about that right and then about going to the pool at the ymca and they, they told us the story about that so they were just they were just super down to earth and really really cool um to talk to just you know it, it's like the complete opposite of what you expect shane douglas to be if you're like super yes. character <laughs> but you know, yeah. all of my Shane hate I think is like disappeared so I, I didn't want to say like yeah I fucking hated you well, the first year <laughs> of this podcast well, he probably would have been happy because that, that was his goal him. right yeah that was his goal but no they were super chill Dreamer was nice too uh, yeah. Jenny had her um, Sherry shirt on and he was like all about that yes uh, he was like that's a great shirt and he's like she was so great to me and he told a story about her kissing him when he he was like young, what do you say, like twenty or twenty one, mm-hmm. and biting him, <laughs> I was like, "Yep, that sounds right." Yeah, so he was he was chill too, and it was cool. I mean, everyone everyone seemed to be having a good time at WrestleCon, and actually, that was one of my questions to Shane and Francine because my thought has always been like, I've always been a little depressed, and maybe I blame like the wrestler, the movie when like. Mm. Randy the Ram. Remember he goes to the convention and everyone's kind of broken mm. down and sad and like I don't, maybe that like spoiled it for me and I always mm. feel weird at those things. Like are they there because they want to be there? Are they there because they have to be there? So I asked them. I'm like, you know, do you guys like coming to these things? Mm. And um, they were like, yeah, we love it. Like we love seeing the fans and getting to visit with all our friends and like relive some memories. So it made me feel better about the whole thing. I'm like, okay. Like they like coming to this so I don't feel as weird parading around the room while they're sitting there at the table um so it was it was neat well i mean it's like what everybody loves you that comes to see you for the most part you make money you know Mm -hmm. and you get to see your buddies i mean i feel like it's got to be win-win for everybody and for us so i mean i hope they keep doing it yeah for sure and and another cool guy uh was eric rowan the the cowboy Uh, met him and we talked to me and him talked to him for like a good 10 minutes or so. And he was super nice too. He was talking about how awesome a match, a ladder match between Scott Hall and uh, uh, Luke Harper would have been uh, Brody Lee. Mm-hmm. So he was like almost fantasy booking that, you know, he got like a little wis- wispy talking about it. Um, so that was neat. And I know the cowboy also met dead housing. Uh, who else did he meet? <laughs> oh, Billy Gunn. That was great. We even met Billy oh, Gunn yeah, for the second time. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and he got a free picture of the outlaws because, <laughs> so he paid Billy to take the picture and Road Dog was next to Billy. And uh, I think Road Dog just assumed it was like a double shot picture. So he leaned in. So we got a shot of him with both outlaws, even though it was, it was only the Billy Gunn picture. Um, and I think that was the bulk of it. And then of course the, the Kevin Kelly shoot promo was in there as yeah, well. But... Yeah. <laughs> I, I did get to see Arn. I didn't talk to Arn. I just saw him. I was in the same room with him and that, that was all I could pretty much handle. Um, but it was just amazing. I saw fucking Bret Hart. He was just like walking beside me. I'm like, mm-hmm. and then Roger was like, that's Bret. And I turned around. And I saw him. I froze. I turned back around. Like, oh, my <laughs> God. That's fucking Bret Hart. Uh, it was just Looking wild. for the bathroom. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and that bathroom was hard to find. But, it, I mean, it was just amazing. Um, and I saw Sabu in person. Mm-hmm. Sabu. Like, you're alive. Like, you're not broken. Why? I don't know. And he was a tiny little person. I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah, that was like the only one, only guy we didn't, uh, we debated going to talk to, but we didn't. Um, yeah. I think, I think we didn't want the moment like 
Shane and Francine went so well, and Tommy went pretty good. And I think it was like, all right, let's get, get out while we're ahead before we have a bad experience with someone. Um, because they, they were so good. It was like, all right, we're, we kind of had the high going. So, like, we'll, we'll leave it there and uh, call it a night. But anyway, Shane and Francine were kind enough to do a, a little drop for our podcast, which you heard in the open, which you'll hear every week now going forward. All right. So, why don't we dive in? We get three weeks of television and we are hurtling toward November to remember both this episode and our next episode in two weeks. And then a month from tonight, we will be here with you for November to remember, which we're all very excited about. Mm -hmm. So let's start with October 8th, 1996. We start with some ECW fan cam footage that's blended with some TV of uh, Stevie Richards and Blue Meanie coming to the ring dressed as public enemy. They get the full entrance. They do the full fan participation. Pretty good rib. They get in the ring and do a, a pretty good impression as well. They get the inflection down. Meanie says, I'm sober, surprise, and Stevie <laughs> smacks him around and says it's the first time he's ever seen Grunge sober, which is a pretty hard dig. Mm. Uh, Stevie then mocks Meanie, uh, his fat belly, and says they can't do this, and they drop the PE act. He says they can never be public enemy at the arena because Meanie is nowhere nearly as fat as Johnny Grunge. Stevie takes his shirt off and lets his hair down and says, bring up the gangsters so we can kick their asses and win the tag team titles. So, uh, Matt, what'd you think of it? Oh, actually, you know, let's just talk about the beating quick and we'll get into the whole thing. So the gangsters do come out with a bunch of weapons. The challengers attack them and start rattling the champs with everything they get their hands on. Joey says it feels like an old public enemy gangsters match. Stevie clotheslines Jack over the top rope, uh, on the top rope, but Mustafa hoists Meanie over with a power slam and gets to work. Out come the Eliminators, and they start to brawl. They hit total elimination on everyone, including the ref, and the crowd is just losing it. Stevie and Meanie clean out, and Saturn says the belts are theirs, and they're coming back where they belong. So a pretty hot opening sequence. Doesn't really end up being a match. Uh, the crowd was super into it and a tough night, Matt, for the gangsters so far. Yeah, uh, more great stuff from Meanie and Stevie here at the Open. I mean, uh, they're just being fucking brutal to Public Enemy. Like, did they, like, uh, Public Enemy, like, piss in their cornflakes or something? Like, I mean, I, I know they're in WCW at this point, but, man, that's, like, that's some pretty rough shots there. My God. It makes me wonder if they did, like, a... Like, I don't, there wasn't, like, a shoot interview yet, but there were, like, AOL and CompuSurf kind of stuff. Mm. So I wonder if they, like, said something about ECW. Something had to have happened for them yeah. to subtly go in on them. Like, it, it would it, because it's been, you know, 10 months since they left. Right. They left it in January. They were in WCW, like, the first Nitro of the year, pretty much. So this has been going as a thing for 10 months. And I know Stevie and Meteor are doing these parodies. Mm -hmm. But this one was like super mean spirited. So, yeah, there had to be something there yeah. that occurred <laughs> during this time period. It's uh, it, it's real rough. Uh, as for the, uh, the the match, if you want to call it that, I mean, wild brawl as expected uh, kind of made me want to see what a real match between these two teams would look like, because mm. I think that that would be uh, that would be pretty fun stuff. But I mean, I, I mean, it, it wasn't really a match per se. There wasn't much here. I didn't rate it or anything, but uh, uh, having the eliminators come out and it looks like the eliminators eliminators gangsters stuff is going to continue. So uh, hopefully mm -hmm. uh, that picks up a bit because I think we were all pretty disappointed by the last match we saw of theirs so hopefully the next match will be better but uh yeah good way to start this episode jenny um i would just like to note the date is october 8th of 1996 which would have been my 14th birthday mm. and uh i don't think 14 year old jenny would have imagined she would be sitting in her garage <laughs> reviewing <laughs> ecw but uh Anyway, I, I, this is great. Like Stevie and Minnie, they're they're finding <laughs> they're finding ways to like one up themselves, which is what ECW does, isn't it? And 
I, I don't mind them being mean spirited. <laughs> like it's we're extreme, you know. They they I don't know. They've been kind of goofs for a real long time. So I kind of like seeing this like kind of nasty edge on their impersonations and talking shit about public enemy. But yeah, I wonder what happened there to draw their attention. But I'm glad it did because this shit is great. And it, I don't know, it makes me take them more seriously, I think. Uh, oddly, is that weird? Um, that their cosplay is making me take them more <laughs> seriously? But, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a match between these two. And, of course, the Eliminators got to come and do their run-in in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't rate it either, but fun way to start the show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, gets off to hot start. And, and, and hot, hot start. And I'm <laughs> <Hot> like, <stat. laughs> too much to do, my life. I am, <laughs> look, it's a real problem. <laughs> I am kind of ready for the Eliminators to be back on top. Like, the gangsters yeah. are great and they're fun. But the Eliminator is just, they, they feel like a clear cut above. And I just feel like we're more likely to get a higher level match. Like the gangsters, you're going to get all the crazy brawling and the blood and the weapons, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's, you know, I've talked about it quite a bit, or at least over the last year and a half of ECW time, that I'm I'm okay with not seeing a ton of those matches anymore. Like Public Enemy burned me out on them. The gangsters have done a lot of them. I'm preferring like the Eliminators blend where you get like crazy offense and spots mm-hmm. as well as that junk, you know, so like you get everything, which I most prefer. So I'm, I'm kind of ready for them to be on top and maybe get us um, some better matches at the top of the tag division. All right. We get our opening animation and then we get Joey styles on the nest. And he says, we have bad news for Stevie Richards tonight and it could change ECW forever. We then go to a video package that highlights Richard's original promo with Raven's arrival. Joey talks about the history of Raven and Tommy Dreamer, and they're fighting over Beulah with highlights of the feud, as well as Sandman's ongoing role and um, Raven's mind games. Joey says Sandman and Dreamer have come together to exterminate Raven, but Todd Gordon and Paul Lee have been notified by Raven that he's taken a personal leave of absence. Todd and Paul informed the ECW arena and offered refunds through intermission, something they encourage other promotions to do as well when stuff like this occurs. However, given the precedent set by Stevie earlier this summer when he defended the title on behalf of Raven, he will now be the one defending the title in ultimate jeopardy. And I thought this was well done. I mean, look, it's a bit of a bummer that something's up with Raven and Mm -hmm. like you could kind of maybe see the writing on the wall and you wonder, well, is he gone? Is something happened? Like, the way they set it up makes it kind of glaring that Stevie may, you know, lose this title on his behalf. Right? Like it's, <laughs> but that said, I thought Joey did a nice job with the summary here. It was good. It was clear. It was crisp. We got the video to accompany uh, it. Like stuff like this can con- kind of be convoluted at times when you get these higher concept type of angles or explanations. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving pieces here, and I thought they did a nice job of you know, clearly explaining why they were going to make Stevie defend. They're like, well, it was you guys that put this into motion in the summer. Like mm-hmm. Raven gave you the authority to defend on his behalf in the matches he didn't want to when he had the foot injury and all that. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we're going to hold you to it and you can defend on his behalf again. So, Jenny, I thought this was a, a well done explanation if we had to go this route. Well, who, who better to explain to us than Joey Styles? who was excellent at it and says everything perfectly and it all makes sense. And I mean, I don't know. Stevie has a way of, of winning matches, you know, by cheating or whatever he's going to do. So to me, it's not a complete, 
you know, mm-hmm. sort of giveaway that we're going to be doing something here. But maybe it should have been Maddie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like you guys said, I mean, Joey was great here. Uh, This is a storyline that has a lot of moving pieces and a lot of moving parts and a lot of things to it. And Joey did a a great job of breaking everything down. And uh, I I think it's interesting you said that about Raven, because I was going to ask, like, because I really don't know, like, was he going through some shit at this time? Was he (laughs) was he, you know, was he meeting with like WWE or WCW? It's just kind of weird that, you know, the hottest heel in the company at this point is just all of a sudden gone you know like i'm assuming it's not a storyline thing right like i I don't think they would pull a guy like this off of tv right now when he's this molten hot if it was a storyline thing so uh, but i I thought that was uh interesting but yeah for me this was this was all about joey styles and just how good he is at articulating Mm. all the comings and goings of shit going on here yeah and it wasn't as much the stevie um part of it that made it potentially seem obvious it was more the way they kind of it sounded like a write-off of raven the way joey explained it Mm -hmm. in the way when paul and gordon announced it like if it was a storyline they wouldn't have done all of that right like they would have just did it and wrote it in and Mm -hmm. paid it off because they're good at that this felt to me like when sabu left and they had to like Mm -hmm. do the like sabu sold out we'll make it up to you kind of thing right um so i i wasn't sure either matt but when he um, it's explained later that he actually went to rehab. Oh, Oh, okay. Now, like whether again, that's a cover like for his. <laughs> no, like for addiction. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if that's legit mm-hmm. um, or a cover, but I think it's legit because when we do see him again, and I'm trying not to spoil like sorry, Jenny, but he's he's not gone. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do see him again, he's in like way better shape. Mm-hmm. Like he's really thin, like not a washout way. He's just like loses a lot of bloat and like looks younger. So I'm guessing it's probably legitimate that he had an issue. And he's a known, obviously a well-known partier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing it was pretty legitimate and he probably just needed to go. And I'm thinking the reason they do what they do with the belt was because they probably didn't know how long right. he would be gone. Um, but it's not that long, so don't fret. But okay. uh, I think they went about this as well as they could. All right, we head to the ring for our next match. And that is Mikey Whipwreck taking on JT Smith of the full-blooded Italians. And you know what that means. It is time for our Italian lesson of the week. Guys excited? Oh, hell yeah. Always. All right. Here we go. Today's Say Un Sibelut. Good Lord. <laughs> say it again. Yeah, say it again. Seun <laughs> Sibirut. One more time. Yeah. Seun Sibirut. Seun Sibirut. Seun Sibirut. Who's close? Who's close? <laughs> Want to take a chance on what uh, it means? Is it a sex thing? <laughs> uh, not a sex thing, but it's related to a genitalia. Ah, I see. 
Hmm. Fat belly. I, I don't think that. I don't think that's genitalia, Jenny. Well, I'm no. I'm no expert. <laughs> Means you have a small dick. Oh. <laughs> you break that out of this weekend Skype. Billing. You can break this out of this weekend Skype call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes note. <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. So, anyway, we have J.T. Smith taking on Mikey Whipwreck, and we allowed Mikey Chance. He's surrounded by the FBI, by uh, Storm, Devin Storm, and by Bad Crew as well. So, Joey says this is now Godfather Salvatore Belomo's family. (laughs) Apparently, Devin Storm and Bad Crew, who I thought were with Damian Kane, are now with Salvatore Belomo and the family with FBI. So, this is escalated quickly. Um, They all mug Mikey to start. They pile on, they abuse him. They clear out for JT to get to work. Mikey continues his aimless trek through the company, stuck with this stuff. Quickly comes back with the head scissors and a little flurry to control the arm. Devin Storm trips up Mikey, turns and flies into them at ringside, which triggers a big shoving match between Guido and Storm. They all gather and argue until Mikey flies off the top into everyone in a fun spot. Smith recovers and takes back over. He gets two on a Sicilian splash. Mikey answers the baseball slide into a chair. JT's rattled. Mikey then follows with a leap from the ring into a hurricanrana. Back inside, Mikey gets a slingshot rolling neck snap and springs off JT's back into Bad Crew. Storm and Guido pounce and work Mikey over and then shove him back inside where JT covers with one hand for two. Mikey comes back with a tornado DDT and he covers, but Bad Crew break it up. Guido ties up the ref. The crowd chants Bad Crew sucks as JT goes to the top and they hit the ropes. And he gets crotched. Mikey wipes out the whole family and finishes JT with a top rope, Frank and Mikey. So and that's a pretty uh, chaotic match. It was fun. Mikey overcomes the odds and takes everyone out. Kept moving. The crowd was into Mikey as always. Uh, you know, the family's a fine group of stooges. Strumbalones, if you will, uh, for something like this. They can they can work. They can be goofs. So it's fine. I don't mind Belomo as the godfather. Uh, so I went two and a half stars, Matt. Uh, again, just kind of your normal standard ECW fare. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I went two and a half on it to uh, Mikey overcoming the odds, as he often does. Uh, that was basically the the uh, entire story for this match. Uh, near the end of the match, I feel like uh, uh, JT Smith was on the top rope for at least uh, 20 minutes or so, waiting for <laughs> waiting yeah. for Mikey to hit some Frank and Mikey. He's just like standing there waiting for him, like, hurry up, let's go. But... Uh, and yeah, they they definitely need to find something, anything for Mikey to do besides what he's doing. Like he, he's been floating around aimlessly for months now. And it's a, it's a testament to the ECW crowd that they're still molten hot for him every time. It's, it just shows like, that's how just fucking popular he is. Like throw him in a tag team. You could use more tag teams, like have him team with somebody, anybody mm-hmm. at, at this point. But uh, yeah, uh, a perfectly fine uh, ECW standard match. Two and a half for me, Jenny. Let's team him with Spicoli. What do you think? Mm, something. Um, I mean, it's nice to see Mikey win a match, but this was sloppy, and he can do better. My my expectations for him are like way fucking better than this shit show, and I was not impressed. Um, he tries. I mean, he try he pulls out his big moves. He does those great, but I don't know. I, I just I ain't trying to watch this for him. And I did two and a quarter stars. Um. I don't. I don't know. I, he I just needs an angle. There's no angle. Yeah, There's no story. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. 
emotion. Like Mikey yeah. was so good in those emotional stories. Yeah. Um, it's like they once he became le- <laughs> yeah, it's like once he became legitimate, he just never has done anything since since Cactus mm-hmm. left. I mean, I feel like we say it every episode, but Cactus left in April, and it's literally been since then. He's done nothing but just random matches. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It makes me Which, sad. And it can be good. The matches can be good, but there's yeah. no direction yeah. to them. It's, yeah. it's it's so weird. It's like like you said, like especially where he was like a year ago. Like it's mm-hmm. just it's crazy. Like how they can just kind of uh, cast. And I mean, I know there's a big storylines going on, but like just to kind of cast him aside and have mm-hmm. him saddled with like the likes of Damian Kane and that crew. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Yep. Right. There's gonna be someone he could get into a little brouhaha with and have some matches. Yep. Right. Or even like you said, like put him with Spicoli or put him in the tag division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been tag champion before, so it's believable. All right, Joey's in the nest. He sets up our big main event, which is Ultimate Jeopardy. Tommy Dreamer and Sandman taking on Bulldozer Brian Lee and now Stevie Richards, who is in for Raven. We cut to the ring and Lee, Nova, and Meanie are pacing around as in a really fun touch. Stevie has the title on his waist. He's sitting in the corner like Raven with peaches <laughs> around uh, in his lap. <laughs> So it was, was pretty funny. Great. <laughs> uh, out comes Beulah. She leads Tommy and Sandman, an unlikely team. The hearts are full of hate. We get the usual long entrance. Tommy chugs a beer. Joey says it's the last time we could see Beulah in ECW. If Tommy gets pinned, she has to leave. Uh, the whole time they're coming down, Sandman is completely eye-fucking Beulah to yes. the ring. He's yes. all in. Uh, Joey says Tommy's been crushing it at the gym. He's up to a 415-pound bench press. While Sandman is also working out. He hits two cases a day. <laughs> Joey reviews everything that's on the line. We have Brian Lee's hair, Beulah's career, Raven's title, and Sandman getting caned. And as usual with these the big Ultimate Jeopardy matches, I feel like these stipulations are not equal. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Absolutely like, not. Lee's hair, okay, we know it's like an embarrassing thing, but, I mean, it would grow back, right? Right. Sandman gets caned every fucking week. Like, right. why now <laughs> is this a bad one? Raven's title is like a really big prize. Yeah. And Beulah having to leave forever is a big thing. So yeah. I feel like Tommy and Raven really have like unfair stakes compared to Sandman and Lee. Right. Sandman's punishment should have been like if he loses, he has to get married to Peaches again. Like something like that would have been funny. You know? Yeah, he has to give up beer for a month. Oh shit. <laughs> or like I'm surprised they didn't do something like he has to give up custody or something. Or like, you know, whatever. Yeah, Maybe they don't want to go that extreme, but yeah. or child support. He's gonna pay Raven child yeah. support. Like so, like something like that would have right. been good, you know, versus like getting cane. Like he's, he's drunk he anyway. He ain't gonna, every he match. Gonna, he ain't gonna feel those fucking cane shots. He's drunk anyway. No, he's constantly getting caned. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we get the official intros. We come back from break. Uh, the tension's building. You can see how Jack Tommy is under that shirt, by the way. <laughs> Joey's not lying. He's gotten pretty big. Uh, we get right into a Tommy and Brian Lee starting. It devolves into brawl. We all head outside. Sam Mendes flies out of the ring into Stevie. They continue to brawl around, slugging away, whipping into things. Tommy smashes Stevie hard with a chair. Lee slings him into the fans and mashes him with a chair. Tommy and Lee head to the back of the arena. As usual, Stevie works over Sandman at ringside. Lee drags Tommy back and whips him into a bunch of chairs while Sandman's taken over in the ring. Meanie gets in the ring and avalanches Sandman, and Stevie hits a super kick for two. Joey says Sandman got buried under a deluge of cellulite on that spot from Meanie. <laughs> Lee is in full control. He drags Tommy back inside. Power slams Tommy and grabs a chair, mashes him for two as Sandman keeps an eye on the ring in case he has to make a save, which I liked. And that actually was one issue I had with this with Tommy and Lee going to the back. Like, 
why would they risk going to the back of the arena when any pin could end mm-hmm. this for them? Uh, but I thought Sandman did a good job of continuously looking back to making sure Lee grabs Beulah smacks her in the head as Tommy rolls him up for two. Tommy blocks a primetime slam into a DDT, but peaches makes a save. Tommy grabs her, but Lee saves her and drags Tommy down by the throat for two. All four go back outside as Nova gives a hand as well. Lee and Tommy head to the bleachers as Lee slings them through off a table in a big bump. Stevie grabs an air fall in the ring, but Sandman blocks a pile driver. Tommy and Lee head back to the men's room to brawl as Stevie goes through a table and Sandman follows an elbow drop. Tommy reemerges busted open as he smacks Lee with a chair, runs him into the wall as they leave the bathroom. All four continue to brawl around ringside until Lee brings Tommy to the entranceway and slings him into the wall. Sandman hits a slingshot, somersault leg drop for two as Lee keeps just smashing Tommy into a vending machine. Meanie and Nova scamper by them. Sandman hits an air Budweiser for two as Stevie keeps hanging in. Lee brings Tommy to the nest above the snack bar, batters him with a chair. Meanie and Nova stack up some tables as Lee just keeps battering Tommy. Lee then grabs Tommy and choke slams him off the nest through all four tables. And what's a pretty infamous spot that the rear quite a bit. Uh, Tommy taking the big table bump. He's bloodied and completely wrecked as damage control checks on him. In the ring, Stevie rolls up Sandman for two as Peaches bitches at him. Sandman rips her dress off to a pop, but Stevie super kicks him for a good near fall. Peaches then cane Sandman as he goes for DDT, but Stevie hits a super kick to the back of the head and gets two again. Stevie grabs the cane and talks some shit, but Sandman ducks the cane and DDT Stevie Richards to pin him for the world title, and he gets a monster pop for the win. A uh, really cool moment. The crowd almost like didn't expect it, I think, and then when they got it, it was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, it was a super fun brawl, all sorts of chaos and heat and anger and rage. The finish was cool, too. Even though Raven wasn't here for the blow-off, Sandman gets his big moment. Uh, we also had the precedent before that Stevie was the proxy, so it felt earned. Even though at times I was like, uh, like, is it the same? Like, it would have been so much more if he actually beat Raven, but if we had to do it, like, Stevie's been just as much of a thorn on his side. Mm-hmm. And again, like, we've, we've known before that Stevie could do this, so... It was good stuff. It was a hot moment. The top run on top of Raven is done. Salmon is king again. The crowd is into it. Uh, and I thought they did a nice job of making up for Raven not being here by by doing the title change. So Jenny went three and three quarters. I thought this was a really maybe one of the better versions of this type of matches that we can get at this point. Hell yes. What a gift of a match on my birthday. Um, it was so awesome. I... <laughs> I mean, just name on all the spots. That fucking table spot. Oh my god, I was losing my mind. All of the brawling, like, I don't know. It, <laughs> there's something about a Tommy brawl that's different for me. And him and Lee work really well together. So, it, it, as as tired as we get of the walk brawl stuff in the crowd, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They have a something that's special about what they do. So. And then Sandman was wrestling his ass off. He was hitting moves. I mean, he wasn't being all sloppy drunk. You know, I mean, he was. But, you know, he was focused. And he was, like, determined to take this from Stevie. Um, Just a lot of hate, like you said. A lot of anger coming out uh, in both of those pairings. And then having Beulah there and and Peaches there kind of steps it up a notch. And they just went balls to the wall, and I loved the finish. I popped so hard for that win. And I think that we've done, like, all these years that we've had this pairing of Raven and Stevie, all of that, 
like comes into play here because I do feel like it's believable. You know, he mm-hmm. is like a, a legitimate proxy for Raven and it, it might ding it a little bit, but not that much for me. Uh, enough for me to make this a four star match, Maddie. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower than you guys, but I, I still like the match overall. I went three and a quarter on it. Um, uh, th- not as high as you guys on it. I think just because it started a little bit slower than I would have liked. I, uh, by the finish, I was all in. I, I thought the finishing sequence and the ending was great. But I, I think if it started a little bit faster, I probably would have gone like three and a half, three and three quarter, or maybe even four like you guys. Um uh, we have to talk about what Lori was wearing uh, uh, <laughs> during this match. Looked like her uh, uh, grandmother's house coat, like something <laughs> something made in Amish country or something. That was it was uh, it was quite a choice. Look, uh, Old Navy tried to sell me that same dress uh, <laughs> this week. So this is the point. style, all the '90s styles coming back. It's she apparently went like goodwill before the show and it's cracked yeah. the right. It must be timeless. I mean, we're talking back in 1996 <laughs> and in 2022, they're still selling it. So it's a timeless look, apparently. Uh, like you said, JT, that uh, uh, choke slam through the tables is an iconic spot. You're you're going to see it uh, quite a bit. Get used to it. And it's nasty. I mean, they uh, Dreamer got the shit kicked out. He took a nasty landing. I don't even think he went through all the tables. I think that last one, he just kind of slid off. It was it was real rough. Um but yeah, the finish is great. I I do think, and like you guys said, Stevie is fine as a uh, good as a proxy. But I do think it would have meant just a little bit more if it was actually Raven. And you know, uh, they did like you said, they did the best they could given the situation. But Raven not being there it did kind of hurt it a little bit for me because I think it would have made it would have meant that much more in the storyline and uh look I wasn't expecting uh Sandman to win the title in this so that <laughs> uh that that caught me off guard but uh yeah I, I still enjoyed the match overall three and a quarter for me if it started a little bit faster I'd probably be right there with you guys but still uh a good match and a really great moment at the end do you think they should have waited to see if Raven was going to come back? Or do you think it was the right move to get the belt off just in case and do this change? I mean, if, you know, Raven did go to rehab, I mean, who knows how long he's going to be in there, right? right? So I, I, I do get it. Like, I, I don't think they n- knew at all if when raven was going to be back so i mean you got to do what you got to do i guess at that point but yeah they were probably in the right taking the title off them just because they didn't really know so i i do get it yeah i mean what are you gonna do i mean i mean he's had disappearances before you know Mm -hmm. but and then they kind of built those in, we, you know, there's a hundred different things that they could have done probably uh, to explain this way. But, you know, Sandman wins. I don't give a fuck. I'm good with it. I'm really good with it. And it does make sense to have Sandman win it. I mean, exactly. it's not like they, they gave it He's to him. He's been working you know. for it. You know, right. he really has. Been. Yeah. And, and Stevie taking the loss is, isn't like that far off from Raven. Right. And it sets up Raven if he does come back to have an right, yeah. argument. All right, that wraps up that episode. So let's do our awards. Uh, best match, I think, is very clearly Ultimate Jeopardy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Worst match, uh, poor Mikey and JT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best moment, I went with the Eliminators attack, and then of course Tommy's table excursion and Sandman's win. So I mean, we had three really yeah. big moments yeah. on this night. Yep. All of those. 
Most 90s, then with a public enemy impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Peach's dress. <laughs> yeah. I, 1890s. <laughs> 1890s, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stock Rising, I went. I, I mean, I gave Mikey Stock Rising, even though he's flailing a bit, at least won the match and looked good, like cleaning up that whole stable out. And then uh, I gave Dreamer and Sandman. Mm. That was nice of you to put Mikey on there. I don't know that I would have had him yet. Um, uh, yeah, Sandman for sure. Yeah, I think what you said seems. I mean, if you want to add the gangsters, I guess you can, but uh, I don't know. All right, well, stock falling egg with Damian Kane because his, his crew apparently went to Sal Balomo. Uh, <laughs> and mean, then I did put Raven. explanation yeah. for that, so I don't understand. No, they were just, like, with him. Yeah, it was weird. At mm-hmm. least say, like, Balomo paid him off or something. Like, they don't even mention Kane. Right. Uh, then I did put Raven here um, because he's vanished and his title's now gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Richards for taking the loss, even yeah. though he fought valiantly. Yeah, you got to put Stevie there, I think. All right, final grade. Uh, you know, I, I went eight out of ten. Like, I mean, this was yeah, had a big did. moment with Sandman's win. I had a great main event. Had the really fun brawl. The Mikey match was good. Uh, had the Joey segment. Like, just it had a lot of strong stuff, and it's got a mass. It's got and it's got the Tommy table bump too. So, mm-hmm. um, pretty iconic moment. Plus Sandman's big win. I'm right there with you. Eight out of ten, and I'm glad to see that rating. Uh, I went the same thing. Eight out of ten. Woo! All right, awesome. So pretty big episode here in 1996, maybe one of the best. All right, let's fast forward a week now and see if they can keep the progress. On October 15th, 1996, we open with highlights of the big table bump from Tommy Dreamer, Sandman's big win. We get our opening animation, and then we go to Joey in the nest, and he confirms to us Sandman is officially now a three-time ECW world champion, and we'll hear from him via satellite. He's at a press conference in Boston. So coming up later tonight, we'll be checking in with Sandman. ECW has debuted in the Boston area with two shows this past weekend. Sandman's still his champion. And joining us in the basement is the former companion of the champion, Lori Fullington. Joey reminds us that Raven's on a leave of absence, and he asks how Lori feels being abandoned. Lori scratches herself and says it feels so good, and then just crashes. Joey tries again and says Raven left and took off with Stevie having to defend his belt, losing to Sandman. There's no appeal. That's it. The belt's gone. Raven's gone. It's over. Lori says every time Sandman gets closer to achieving personal Nirvana, she's going to take it away from him. Joey says with Raven on absence, her and Tyler are on their own. Will Stevie be the new man in her world, or is Raven going to come back? Lori says Raven quit his life and then gives an <laughs> evil smile. Joey asks for more information about that. And Lori says Raven left his life behind and went away overseas. And Sandman thought he had a little bit of happiness, but she lets him know that Raven brought Tyler with him overseas and says gotcha again so this i thought was pretty dark stuff by Lord. Mm-hmm. what do you guys think dark and amazing stuff i mean wow the way she's sitting there just like scratching her arm slowly mm-hmm. you know that that is creepy like i think she doesn't know that it's not real you guys um, <laughs> think she's all in on this. As she yeah. might be because she done she she's done really works good. Like too. she's fucking good. <laughs> like I I don't know that she knows that she's acting. And Joey's responses to her just kill me. Uh, because he he's conducting the interview, quote unquote. So, um, Raven has quit his life. Took me out, <laughs> out. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Just why would you not? I mean, <laughs> look what you're stuck with. Just right. It's like, I'm done. 
<laughs> but I'm took out. the kid with them. Oh my god! I was like, what? What are we doing? Um, this is genius level stuff, Matt. Uh, yeah, Lori, Lori's absolutely incredible here. I mean, uh, the touch of her scratching her arm and just sitting there and her eyes all bloodshot. Yeah, she she might she may not think her eyes were fucking bloodshot. She may not think it's fake. I mean, <laughs> there, there's a good chance that she really like did heroin or something just for the character. Who knows? Yeah, she was <laughs> full method. Yeah, she's the she's the Daniel Day Lewis of ECW, <laughs> basically. Um, Fuck. Uh, <laughs> Almost spit up my drink. Uh, Joey Styles was unbelievable here. After uh, Laurie says uh, Raven quit his life, Joey's like uh, taking his glasses off, staring at the camera. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know what that means. <laughs> You have to you have to explain yourself. Uh, it's like he's trying to get the laugh in on Lori, but she keeps going darker and he keeps yeah. getting more exasperated. He's like, "Well, is Stevie gonna step in?" You know. Oh, uh, uh, it's yeah. This this was amazing stuff. It just from everybody. It's so good. All right. Well, Joey's shook after a break. He comes back and we find out that <laughs> Sandman was at this big press conference in Boston, but he just walked out because he he got word of what is going on. Uh, the press conference featured top outlets like the Boston Globe, the Boston Herald, <laughs> Wrestle Radio USA, WMSXAM and other media. Uh, we see uh, Todd Gordon talks to Sandman and then they walk off together and end the press conference. And Joey feels bad for Sandman. He says he can't even enjoy this great career moment. Raven's not even here. He's overseas and he's still haunting Sandman uh, like a dark cloud. And then he turns and starts talking about Tommy Dreamer and Brian Lee says they'll face off on October 26th at the ECW arena in a high incident match, which will include a scaffold and a ring filled with tables. So that is to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, have you ever listened to WMSX? Uh, nope, can't say that I have. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that's a real thing that exists. They, they, oh, my they, friend, it is. It WMSX is. Oh. AM in Brockton, a tower, Massachusetts, situated near the Timothy Holster Memorial Park. Brockton's actually closer to me than Boston. I should know that. Goddamn. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll fire up the AM radio that I definitely have somewhere. <clears throat> There's also a WMSX in Buffalo, but I'm guessing it was the Brockton one that was. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I certainly don't. I certainly can't get Buffalo here. No, no. Uh, Jenny, did you like this whole thing with the uh, press conference? Yeah, just the idea of like a press. Co- it, so, what? Like you guys, wrestling fans in 1996. If mm-hmm. Sandman has a press conference, are you viewing it? Like, are you reading about it? Like, what is the distribution of the contents of the press conference? Well, it must have been. I mean, look, if it's real, which there's a decent chance it wasn't. If that it was, much, yes. right. it likely was about, about the Globe and the Herald were there. What are you talking about? It would have been about ECW's first foray, and they just because his champion was there to be talking about it. Like, it's doing like a press store mm-hmm. um but uh, yes i don't i don't know if this one was real Re- wrestling press in this era is like interesting to me because I, I don't know like what does that consist of it's just there wasn't any it was, right? it was like, dave Meltzer, yeah in the magazines right. and yep. wade keller <laughs> that was about it yeah so i'm like what you know who at the globe is going to this press conference. It is not Bob Ryan. I can, I can promise Bob you. Ryan. Dan Shaughnessy. I say Shaughnessy might have been there and bitching about it. 
See, this is just the shit I think about. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, you know, I would assume it would be very um, heartbreaking to hear mm-hmm. that your son has been taken um, overseas by a strange man. So, you know, he shook. All right. Well, ongoing, we get footage from the recent Monday Night Raw when Taz showed up with a Team Taz sign and walked around. So we see that. We then get a big rematch as Taz takes on our friend Johnny Smith. Uh, big rematch, submission match. Uh, Smith went right at Taz. He almost took the win last time, if you recall. He mm-hmm. pushed Taz to the limit. Enjoy your minds as Taz hurt sh- uh, Smith's shoulder last time. He missed a lucrative tour of Japan, and he's not very happy. He hates Taz. Fonzie <laughs> talks a bunch of shit on Smith before we get going, mentioning Johnny's family. Joey mentions David Boy Smith as his family, but both guys stand on their own credentials. Joey then names all the guys that Taz has choked out, so Smith never tapped, which pissed Taz off. We get a lockup and a clean break, easing in. Taz takes Smith down as Fonzie is relentless with that fucking whistle. We get more balanced action here, both standing on the map. And on the mat, they're really doing a good job presenting Smith as tough and an equal here. Taz hits his knees and dares Smith to come at him, and he obliges, leading some amateur work. Taz lands a shot to the shoulder and slings Smith outside into the railing and back in the ring. Taz hits an overhead throw. Fonzie's doing commentary at ringside. He dares Mr. Command to come get some. Smith comes back with forearms, and Taz takes him down and gets a rear naked choke. Taz releases and stomps away, but Smith comes back with a cross arm breaker, stomps on Taz, and works the arm some more. Taz goes to a waistlock takedown into a nice bridging red hook ringer submission. Smith hangs on and Taz releases. Smith twists into a hard arm bar into a cross face, but Taz breaks with the ropes. Smith eats a boot on a charge, comes back with a power slam, hits a missile dropkick at a hard clothesline, goes back up top, but eats knees of Taz as he comes off. Taz powers up and debuts an Ocean City Cyclone Suplex, which Joey says Taz told him he'd break out tonight, and he calls it officially a wheelbarrow Tazplex, and then he finishes with the Taz mission. These guys have some good chemistry. I actually like this a little bit better than the last time. Smith looked uh, super strong and just had a, a you know hard-hitting battle with Taz, a lot of stiff offense, a smart match structure to it. Taz is an absolute animal, and matches like this make him look even tougher than the squashes that we see sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought this is a win-win for Taz, for Smith, for everyone. Three stars, Jenny. Boy, Smith is fun to watch. Like, mm-hmm. I was excited. I was like, hell yeah. And that, you're right. I mean, they have great chemistry, and I think it's just, you know, Taz seems to respect him. And um, actually, Smith goes toe-to-toe with him and move-for-move with him. And he had to break out a fucking brand-new move to beat this guy. So, I mean, I hope – well, I'm probably not going to ever see him again. But, I mean, it makes me want to watch more of his matches. Um, Mm -hmm. And Taz, like you said, is incredible. And um, the only thing is Fonzie. He he ruins these matches for me. Like I, you got to put it on mute. But then I want to hear Joey, and it's just all the Fonzie. I cannot do it. Like we we got to do too much. It, the whistle is just him and just jawing and like just his mm. face and his fucking teeth. Like just <laughs> shut the fuck up. Taz knows how to talk. He doesn't need this motherfucker. Like what is the point of you anymore? So go away because you're ruining these matches for me. And I did two and three quarter stars, Matt. Uh, yeah, I went two and three quarter on this as well. Uh, like you guys said, just really fun match. These two guys have great chemistry. Uh, it's nice to see Taz work an actual match besides killing someone outside of someone mm-hmm. like uh, Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, uh, the wheelbarrow plex is sick. A human being should not be able to throw another human being like that. It's ridiculous. 
but yeah, I, I really like this a whole lot. And uh, yeah, not much more to add. Two and three quarter for me. I enjoyed this a lot. Taz gets the mic. He says that match was raw. And he on a path of rage. Fonzie keeps asking who will stop this path of rage. Nobody. <laughs> nobody can. <sighs> All right. Right back to the ring we go as the Eliminators take on the poor Samoan gangster party. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Fast like forward. Guys. <laughs> a rush go. Um, and I guess we've covered it, but I just feel like most people get treated pretty well at ECW. These guys <laughs> have been treated well. Uh, the Illuminates head out. Joey says they have the most important match of their careers on October 26th, as they have an international tag team challenge match against Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Bam and Gordy. So that is a pretty good dream match right there. The gangster party attack as they get in and it's feeling more like jobbers by the week. The control is very brief. Saturn starts mashing Sammy with a quick assault, including a missile drop kick for two. The gangster party stooge around. We get some more as the eliminators run through them. Sammy hits a hard clothesline. The gangster party gets to a little rhythm. They're choking, they're slugging away. Joey talks up the gangster party's family lineage. And this must be, I'll say, the most sustained offense they've had to date. Uh, we get a Yokozuna champ from the crowd as the gangster party hug. But the eliminators pop up and drill them with total elimination as they're hugging. Uh, sweet finish, which is well done. The eliminators look badass. I, I didn't think the gangster party looked too bad outside of looking like morons celebrating with a hug to fill the ring. Uh, <laughs> The Illuminators are clearly ready for Doc and Gordy, so Matt, just one star here. There's kind of a tune-up for the Illuminators. Yeah, I went one star on this, too. I can't fucking believe we're still trying to make SGP, uh, the Samoan Gangsta Party a fucking thing. What are we doing? Good Lord. Like, I, the jobbers. I, think, I mean, they're, just, they're, right. they're jobbers to the stars. That's all they I, are. I think that's the only reason why they're there, because they're big dudes, and it looks impressive for these teams to just fucking destroy these guys in like two and a half yeah. minutes. I think that's the only yeah. reason they're there, because they don't do anything else. They had that one moment where they had the, the parking lot brawl with the gangsters, but since right. then, they, they haven't done a fucking thing. So, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to keep them around just to get their shit pushed in by the gangsters and the eliminators, fine. But other than that, no, I, I don't ever need to see them again. So, uh, uh, yeah, one star for me, Jenny. <laughs> so by that logic, I mean, they're really good at their job. Like, because <laughs> if their point is to be destroyed, then they're very, very good at that. Right. Um, I, I gave it a star and a half just because Saturn, like, I'm sort of in love with Perry Saturn. So um, I don't I don't care who he's wrestling. Like, just I just want to watch him do shit. That's all I want to do. Uh, so I gave it a star and a half. All right, we get a clip of Shane Douglas breaking Pitbull 1's neck. Joey says, tonight, Pitbull 2 is coming for revenge for Francine and for the TV title. And that sets up our main event, which is Pitbull 2 taking on the franchise, Shane Douglas, for the TV title. Huge match. It has been building for a while. Douglas and Francine head in. Joey asks how she can even look at herself anymore. She's had a constant blow up since debuting, really. Uh, Pitbull 2 flies in the ring and starts hot, mowing through Shane as Pitbull 1 ambles out behind him. He's got the giant fucking halo on. Pitbull uh, 2 crushes him with clotheslines and a belt shot for two. Francine's a distraction. Allows Douglas to hit him with the belt for two. The crowd fires up the She's the Whore chant as Pitbull 2 no-sells the DDT. He hulks up and then press slams Shane into a brain buster for two. Shane bails out, but Pitbull's on his ass. Grabs a chair and smacks Shane in the back of the head. Smacks the champ around some more. Slings him back in the ring. Shane tries to escape to the apron, but Pitbull 2 hoists him back in with a choke slam for a near fall. 
Pitbull 2 hooks a Campbell clutch and wrenches away at his neck as the crowd chants break his neck. Pitbull 2 shoots Shane hard to the corner, keeps working the neck, twisting it, stomping on it. He hoists Shane up by his neck, throws him into the corner, then drives his foot through him. Pitbull 1 is a staring angrily as Francine is screaming at ringside. Shane gets a desperation swinging neckbreaker to finally turn the tide. Shane pile drives Pitbull 2 and hits a brain buster as Joey shits on Joel Gertner. Shane keeps stomping away as the crowd is chanting for Brian Pillman. <laughs> Pitbull 2 powers out of a seated chin lock and runs Shane into the corner. Pitbull 2 misses a charge to the corner. Shane gets a swinging neckbreaker for a delayed near fall. We get a slugfest as Joey's talking about Shane's ego, always driving him. Pitbull puts Shane on the top rope and hammers away, knocking the ref to the floor by accident. Out come the Eliminators, but Pitbull 2 mows them right down. He celebrates, catches a total elimination. I mean, didn't he just see what the fucking <laughs> small gangster party did? Does the same fucking thing. Joey wonders why they're helping Shane here, the Eliminators are, as they hit a top rope elbow, but Shane only gets two because by the time the ref makes it back inside. Pitbull 2 fires back up. He starts to pinball Shane around, but he eats a boot on a charge, shrugs it off, puts Shane on the top rope, and it's a super fallaway slam. Francine pulls something out of her clothes, but Pitbull 2 blocks it, and it goes flying. Pulls her in the ring and grabs her hair and shoves her to her knees as she's begging for mercy. Pitbull 2 power slams her, but Shane has grabbed her bag and chucks powder in his eyes. Pibble 2 grabs the ref, and it's a belly-to-belly, as he can't see. That allows Shane to hit a single-arm DDT. He then grabs a dog collar, puts it on Pibble 2's neck, and yanks him around the ring by it. Puts on a full Nelson, but Pibble 2 hangs on and keeps fighting. Pibble 1 slowly climbs on the apron. He's cheering on his partner, and it works because Pibble 2 fires up and breaks the hold. Shane then kicks low, and it's a single-arm DDT, as Joey says he's trying to break his neck again. Pitbull 1 gets in the ring and confronts Shane, who, in yet another fall of 1996 iconic ECW moment, Mm -hmm. puts two hands on the neck halo, shakes him, and shoves him to the ground by it. The crowd and Joey are in shock. Shane books it as the cavalry arrives. Shane lands in one punch on Todd Gordon and then takes off. The whole locker room is out to check on Gary, while Shane and Francine are dragged out by security. Tommy Dreamer comes out. He's chasing them, but he tries... Uh, to get them as they escape. The Eliminators celebrate backstage as we keep cutting back and forth. (laughs) Joel Gertner gets in the ring and announces Shane Douglas as the winner. He's so stoic as the chaos is around him. Todd Gordon comes over and just punches Gertner to a huge pop. (laughs) Complete madness. Shane and Francine speed off into the night, and Gertner gets back up and finishes his announcement. As I was saying. Uh, This time, Paulie comes over and decks him, and they finally run Gertner off. Uh, Pitbull 1 gets loaded to an ambulance, and it takes off. And just an amazing uh, moment, a great match, pure insanity. This feud has been molten hot. It drips with hate, with heat, with anger, with broken bones. Shane just did whatever he could to survive. And once he had control, just tries to break another neck. Pitbull 2 is on fire, as always. And the post-match drama is iconic. The Halo shake, it's top-level sympathy, it's chaos, it's amazing arena madness, and... It is a super famous CCW moment. Like, this is another one you'll see on every compilation on, you know, TV forever. It's just one, like, that was super just in-your-face and well-known. So, I went three and a half stars for the match, Jenny, but the, the post-match is pretty legendary ECW stuff. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, just in the beginning, I, <laughs> I always kind of mark out for... Um, when they get in and they do a hot start and the champ still has his belt on and he bumps around wearing the belt a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know why I like that a lot. I really liked it when Shane did it. Um, and, and, and two was getting his shit in. Like he was like, I'm fixing to kill you. Like I'm going and, you know, owned a good chunk of the, of the beginning while Shane 
well, incredible. I mean, just, just, I mean, like, I just, it's so believable. I mean, they work so well together and, and they have all this fucking just intense hatred and it comes through in everything, every single thing that they do. Um, so when the eliminators ran in, I was like, okay, we're about to have some bullshit. And -hmm. then, um, the crowd just going nuts and the, it goes on and on. Like it's a long match. It's, it's a mm-hmm. war. And they're, I mean, they're just, it's nonstop. They're, everybody is on point busting their ass. Francine just calls in chaos um, uh, ringside. And so <laughs> the, when he, when he gets the powder thrown in his face and then he kind of stumbles around, suplexes the ref. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was genius. I, and uh pretty fucking well done um and so he gets the the dog collar and the chain he's throwing him around. i'm like okay okay and then when one steps up onto the apron i go no 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 what are you doing don't do that because i've been nervous for him this whole every time he's around the ring i'm like why <laughs> why are you there please go away because i'm scared for him and so all of that anxiety that i've had for him as he steps up onto the apron i'm like oh no they're gonna do it and then they did it and joey's gasp took me out like he was just he couldn't even say anything and i couldn't say anything and I, everybody's just freaking out uh i i felt like i was there i mean it was so amazing um and then joey just kind of lays out and just lets all the other chaos happen and the way that shane books it out and the way they just fucking leave it's it's genius uh i fucking love this match um i went three and three quarter stars matt three and a half for me uh, I, I, as a match, I liked the last one they had. I think it was Doctor is in or something like that. I mm-hmm. like that one as, as a match a bit more, but I mean, it, it's it's still a great match. Uh, Pitbull targeting Shane neck, Shane's neck as always was great. Uh, Joey Styles with the incredible line during the match. Uh, in case you're wondering who the individual at ringside is who has the clap, it's Joel Gertner. <laughs> uh, ju- just oh, such a great line from Joey. Uh, yeah, the neck work was great. The powder spot was great. Him destroying the ref <laughs> was also great. Mm-hmm. And then we we get to the post match stuff with Pitbull one. I mean, you want to talk about uh, uh, ECW pushing the envelope? <laughs> My yeah. lord! Like, yeah. I mean, I I had seen that segment before. I forgot just how nuts it got mm-hmm. after he pushed him down like i i think and i don't know if you guys caught this but i think there was at least one fan who jumped the rail at one point <laughs> trying to get toward shane because there was like a pile of bodies on the apron outside of the guardrail well so, the shake is so done well too because whoa. like mm-hmm. it looked like he's really shaking like yes. he only does it like a little bit but it's enough to scare you like it right. wasn't over the top you know it was like yeah. oh shit like you like yeah, it was done just with enough dramatic effect that it felt like it could be legitimate. Uh, yeah, it's it's an insane post-match. Again, another iconic moment for ECW. ECW on a mm-hmm. bit of a roll here for iconic yeah. shit happening. Like, it's crazy. Like, back-to-back weeks you're talking about. That's... Mm-hmm. That's insane stuff, but uh, yeah, uh, this post uh, the post match is unbelievable. I think 
now with uh, with Raven being out for a little bit, I think you could make an argument that this segment made made Shane the number one heel in the company with Raven right. uh, being out for a little bit. So it, you got that now. I mean, just yeah, it, the post. This was all about the post match for me. The match was great too, three and a half. But for me, it was the post match that made it. If you've never seen this post match, uh, definitely seek it out on the network, on YouTube, whatever, because it, it's incredible stuff so yeah three and a half for the match and iconic post-match stuff yeah and i had seen the halo thing but i didn't know the Kurter stuff which was amazing that was the first time i'd seen that i mean just like this his the way he does like is no sells everything else going around him just gets in there like he's just announcing a normal match and you're a winner And he gets saying. back in. Yeah, it's like, as I was saying. <laughs> like, it just uh, comes out of nowhere the second time. It's like, oh my god, this fucking guy. Uh, and then he gets his ass beat. He's <laughs> uh, so good. Like, all right, I, uh, best I match. I wish I had good. seen that before I met Shane, because I 100% want to talk to him about <laughs> it. Um, and probably been freaking out, but... Well, if we ever talk to him again, you can bring yeah, it up. Yeah, there you go. I will. All right, best match, uh, Douglas Pipple, too, clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, easily. Worst match of poor gangster party. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, best moment, obviously, Douglas assaulting <laughs> Pipple one. Yep. Most 90s, and I don't know, maybe this is still a thing, but I went with the big neck halo. Like, I don't know. Is that <laughs> still about that, too. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it reminded me of Vinny Pazienza, Matt. Remember, he had the big one after the car accident? Yeah. Good Lord. So, I don't know. It felt 90s to me. Uh, stock Rising. I gave Johnny Smith the nod. Taz, the Eliminators, Pitbull 2, and Shane. Yeah, Everybody but the Simone gang. Yeah, pretty much. And fuck it. Tag Gurner on there, too, because he was yeah, fucking Gerner, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stock falling, Simone gangster party. Yep. And uh, I also put Pitbull 1's neck. Um, because... <laughs> Probably a setback. Well, that would be, I think that's a stock cracking more than falling. But also underrated during that was fucking Saturn in the back just cackling or whatever. Yeah, she, <laughs> just it. like freaking out, and I'm like, oh my god. All right, uh, final grade. Look, last episode we went eight, and I felt like we had to go higher. <laughs> I thought this moment yeah. was bigger. The match was better i guess even though well, i guess i went higher on the other grade but whatever for whatever reason everything just felt a little bit more important um and the rest of the show i thought was a little bit better too so i went eight and a half out of ten for this one i flirted with that nine but i, I we're on a streak so i don't, I don't want to peak too soon so i'm gonna do the eight and a half yeah i i went eight on this one too but i i could see i could easily go eight and a half for sure on this it's a great episode of tv all right. I mean, this, pretty amazing back-to-back weeks of t- mm-hmm. yes. here. I mean, geez, just fall of '96. All of a sudden, you're watching this. You get these two things back to back. Right. Also on a hot streak is the North South Connection Podcast Network. We have content coming at you every day. Thanks to Canoso Daily. It's a 10 to 15 to occasionally 40 minute. <laughs> breaking down every WDF pay-per-view and Science Made event match chronologically one a day, different voices. I think 13 or so voices out there now as part of this um, doing that. So it's, it's a really cool way to start your day. And then that drives you into your other content, usually hitting late morning, pretty consistent, really proud of everyone who contributes to the feed. Uh, tons of great content uh, across the board, whether it's evergreen wrestling, really nerdy list based shit. We've got some pop culture in there. And also, Jenny, on Wednesdays now, 
featuring the Jenny position. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so um, I have decided to move all of my content to North South Connection. So I'm going to be here on Wednesdays. You can hear any one of my shows, whether it be, um, well, the newest one is The Journey Through Infinity. Um, so we finally did our Black Panther mm-hmm. episode with a guest, Nate Milton. Um, so in addition to that show, you can hear uh, all the Freak Out Drive-In um, and you heard about Pluto and Talk and Pop whenever we get to one of those. And so if you want to listen to Jenny Position stuff, I'm on Wednesdays on North South. Check that out. Plus everything else we have to offer on the North South connection. And also excited to have a couple of shows back. Of course, me and Chad are back with Wrestling Warzone. That's every other Thursday. Opposite this podcast going through uh, the Monday Night Wars. We are right around the same time period. We're actually in September of 1996 so pretty cool how it's syncing up and also new gen on a mission is back as well every other tuesday jp and slomka going through the new gen era they're right on the doorstep of king of the ring 93 uh and they're they have a great show it's really it's honestly one of my favorites um it's it's such a quick and easy list and they go about an hour and it's just a smooth chemistry and it's a cool era to talk about the deep dive because you know you may get pay-per-view look at pay-per-views or even some overviews of raw but they go in on raw in full and superstars they review every superstars as well so uh that's definitely something that you don't get a ton of out there in wrestling podcasts so uh i, l- I like that show a lot it's one of my faves and I'm proud happy to have it back after those guys had a uh, interesting fall and winter between uh new baby uh poor pratt suffered the same injury i did he tore his achilles mm. and um mm. so other issues going on so good to have them back in the fold though so excited about it All right, one more episode of TV here for us tonight, October 22nd, 1996. We open with full highlights of the tragedy and chaos that closed last week's episode. Then we get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest. He says they always start by reviewing the top news of ECW. And that story right now is what Shane and Francine did to Pitbull Gary Wolf. He was scheduled to interview Shane and Francine. And you know what? He's done his job here for three and a half years, no matter how he's been treated. But this week, he's taking a stand and he will not give a forum to a man that tries to cripple another human being. He may risk fines, he may risk termination, but he will not be an accomplice to Shane making light of what happened. And the interview will not happen. Joey walks off. Come back after break. He's still in the nest. He apologizes to anyone who thinks he's being unprofessional, but he can't do it. Shane is inhuman and nauseating. Now, that's not it. Joey talks about more, but I wanted to get that piece in. So, Jenny, what did you think of this whole um, Joey-Shane stuff and his reaction to what's going on? Oh, boy. Um, it was it was hot. I'm going to say it. Uh, Joey, this, this outraged Joey is my favorite Joey. And... He has just had enough. He is just fed up. You know, it takes a lot to get get him to this point, but this is where he's going to draw the line. And you know what? I'm here for it. Daddy Joey all the way. Well, he's like our moral compass, too. He is. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when he's this pissed, like we got to be pissed, too. Mm-hmm. And he's a company man. And he'll do whatever. But this is and the fact that he doesn't do this that often makes it stand out even more. Right. Like he's mm-hmm. finally taking a fucking stand. He's like, this is too much. Well, uh, now we know the line. Uh, throwing down a man with a broken neck apparently is go. the line. So, uh, yeah, uh, Joey is uh, great here as he is uh, with everything. <laughs> like I said, you know, uh, taking a broken neck for him to finally show it, but at least he showed it. And look, what Shane did is 
obviously fucking detestable. So it makes sense for uh, Joey to be uh, that pissed off about it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's great stuff. All right. Uh, so Joey's still there. He turns his attention to Sandman, found out his life was crumbling just when it seemed like he was getting back on track because Raven has taken Tyler overseas. This weekend, Sandman defended against a top international contender and his best friend, Too Cold Scorpio. We then see Chris Jericho versus Scorpio from Doctor is in. We then get to Joel Gertner. He's out on the street and he wants to bring us an interview that the cowardly Joey Styles wouldn't. He will risk his life in limb standing outside a <laughs> hospital of Gary Wolf, where he's inside, to interview Francine and Shane. Shane's sitting in a wheelchair, says he can't understand why Gary's so bitter. He can turn left, he can turn right in his chair. What's so bad about that? <laughs> Francine makes a joke about him being a vegetable, and Shane wants a wheelchair race. Shane doesn't know why everyone's so angry. It wasn't that long ago he left ECW. He said it wasn't hardcore enough. He came back from his sojourn. He's flying higher than Mikey Whipwreck. It's swinging chairs harder than Cactus Jack. He started ECW. He blazed the trail, and he's back again to further hardcore, and he doesn't get the anger about it. They're all hardcore smart fans, smart mark fans. That chant ECW, they're proud to be hardcore, but none of them are. They're just sports entertainment fans. and should be in someone's house or in a classroom. He and Francine made the fans stare in the face of what hardcore is, and they've turned away in disgust. Gary can do a lot in the wheelchair, but what he can't do is Francine. Shane tells him to kiss his ass, and he walks off, and it's just a tremendous piece of shit. And Jenny, this um, actually Shane and Francine did talk to us about and you would not have seen it, yes, I get, I guess. But Francine has said when this one happened, she said to Shane that we are going to hell. What are we yes. doing? The one she was referencing. But uh, what did you think of this? Did it live up to Francine's assertion that she's in trouble? Uh, yes, because all my notes are like, holy shit. Oh, my God. Fran's wheelchair joke. My God. <laughs> Amazing Shane promo fuck. Goddamn Shane. You have lost your mind. So, yes. But you know what? <laughs> he ain't wrong. <laughs> because we're supposed to be hardcore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. That was a little bit much. But, I mean, this is what he does. He's delusional. You know? he's He, he, he can't stop. Like, once he gets... Once he gets going, he's like a freight train. He doesn't know where the line is. That's always been his undoing. So he's going to continue to do that. Uh, yeah, if him uh, throwing Pitbull one down uh, didn't solidify his status as the number one heel in the company, <laughs> uh, this promo <laughs> certainly fucking did. Good Lord. I mean, just like... Uh, oh, we're going to double down. <laughs> I, yes. I see. And we're we're going to push the envelope even further than we did last week. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Uh, uh, extreme is what he is doing. Uh, he, <laughs> you could say a lot about Shane, but he is uh, he is certainly pushing the envelope and being extreme. Good Lord. And uh, that Francine joke. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> good mm -hmm. God almighty. Uh, she'll have a room right next to me in hell. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't you worry, wish. Good. Yeah, I, I do wish, <laughs> <Yeah>. believe me. <laughs> Joey's in the nest, talks about the ongoing wars between the gangsters and the Eliminators and how the Eliminators can prove they're still the greatest in the world by winning back their belts tonight and then taking on Doc and Gordy next weekend. And that brings us to our tag team title match. The gangsters defending against the Eliminators want their belts back. They want to reassert their position atop the mountain. The gangsters fight their own buckets of weapons. We're up and running. Violent fight, as usual. 
The uh, challengers take control early. Things get ugly as the gangsters retake using a nightstick and a pipe. Just a pure garbage brawl. Joey says he seems to battle for supremacy all year long, and it continues on. Jack busts a crutch over Saturn's back as things spill outside. Natural Born Killer is still blaring into the he uh, as they head into the fans. Back inside we go as the Eliminators are rolling again. Cronus slips off the middle rope, and Joey calls him a special individual as the crowd gets all over him. Cronus owns it, though, and he yells back at the crowd. We clip ahead, and New Jack is bleeding from the pipe shot. As this war edge is on, Mustafa power slams Cronus. Jack hits a flying chair shot off the top for the win. And I thought this was pretty surprising. Mm -hmm. As the gangs is pretty much mm -hmm. win clean. And maybe this feud's cooked. Maybe the Eliminators are cooked. Because Saturn is pissed. He regroups with Cronus, and they attack the champs. They lay them out with a pair of total eliminations. And a table, which Cronus uses to jump off with a splash. Saturn then puts a ladder on top of the table, on top of the top rope, scales the ladder, and hits a huge big elbow. Just a wild-looking spot. Mm -hmm. The crowd chants for Saturn, and he does it again, this time on Cronus. And Joey thinks they should uh, could still be uh, the top tag team. So, usual great stuff here. Uh, nothing that really stood out. Uh, but wasn't too long. The crowd dug it. The gangsters continue to reign supreme. The eliminators are staggering a bit heading into this big dream match. Uh, but the post-match beatdown spoke louder than the loss. So I think the story right now, I guess, is that Cronus is kind of the weak link, still bugging Saturn. Saturn's trying to get him on track, uh, but it's costing them these big matches, and they got Doc and Gordy. So two and a half, Matt. Um, this kind of is what it is at this point. This is the seven match. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, this was every gangsters match you've seen, but I, I did like it more than the cage match, which I think was supremely disappointing. It, you know, thinking back on it now, it felt like the cage kind of held mm -hmm. them back a little bit as opposed to this where they could just brawl in the crowd and all that. So uh, I ended up going two and a half on it as well. And uh, I, I thought the post match was honestly probably better than the match. Uh, Saturn jumping off of that ladder uh, contraption, whatever the fuck it was, uh, twice. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Please, sir, have have you no fear? Good God, do that once is enough. But no, you do it twice. But uh, yeah, uh, this was totally fine. Two and a half, Jenny. Imagine watching that freaking bump and okay, it's totally fine. Which I did give it the same rating, two and a half. <laughs> but um, but that's incredible. Saturn is incredible. I'm sorry, it's just amazing, and it's disappointing because. I, I, they like y'all said they we seen this match. I keep having this match, and why can't they do? Why isn't it more? Why don't we like it more? Like what what is missing from it? Is it just more of the same? Like is that what he's doing when he's doing this fucking shit with a ladder on top of a table? Is mm. he trying to do something in this match? Because for all like the hate, it don't come across. In, in the garbage brawl, like the the rings of crime scene, mm -hmm. like it's crazy, but I don't know. It's like it's missing something. Mm -hmm. And I think these matches have just been devalued a bit. Like we just see it so much that when they just do it here, it feels like, yeah, it's just not it's just another match. Mm -hmm. The difference with something like the dreamer stuff we saw last week or two weeks ago, like they blend other stuff in. Right. It's not just like hitting each other with weapons. And that's what these matches have become. It's literally just the gangsters hitting people with weapons and getting hit with weapons. Yeah. There's no connective tissue to it. If anybody could do other stuff with them, it would be the Eliminators because they, they you know, can do the bigger moves. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like a step down for them to wrestle <laughs> gangsters. You know no, I, mean? I agree. That's why I kind of want the belts off them. Like, yeah. I think the gangsters mm -hmm. would be better suited for just like 
other shit on the card. Like, yeah, have a garbage match, maybe a feud, but like the title should be maybe just elsewhere right now. Yeah. Because anytime you get a title match, it's just this, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just done. And we're kind of out of tag teams at this point too. Like yeah. I said, you know, I don't know. All right, Joey hypes the card for Saturday night. It's a big one. We get the feud about Doc and Gordy and the Eliminators. We talk about that. We find out Gordy lost to Bam Bam Bigelow at a one-time Battle of the Bam Bams. Thanks to the help of the Eliminators. <laughs> Bigelow forever, by the way. No. Since early, earlier yeah, in the year. Yeah, no, sadly. Hanging out somewhere, teacher. Also, Furniture Profit take on Sabu and Rob Van Dam with a one-hour time limit. And the Japanese media has dubbed it the most important tag team match of the year. We also find out in November to remember 1995, if you recall, we had the most important tag match of that year when Scorpio and Sandman took on Public Enemy and defeated them. Now, with this show, Sandman will defend the world title against his best friend, Scorpio. Tommy Dreamer will also take on Brian Lee in a scaffold table match. Then get Pulp Fiction to wrap us up. Tommy Dreamer standing on a bridge with Beulah talks about how he and Brian Lee have parallel lives, and he decides when to take both of them. He's always suicidal. Fonzie standing in the wild water of Tampa uh, during Hurricane Josephine, ranting like a maniac while looking in. <laughs> fucking nut. Uh, we get a clip of Taz at Raw. Shane and Francine bragging on Gary Wolf outside the emergency room. Dreamer talks about being afraid of heights, but not afraid of death. Sign Guy Dudley has a sign that just says, Bye, Devon. Doug Furness promises to give an ass whipping to Sabu and RVD. We see Lori still scratching her arm, saying he's gone and I'll never see him again. Talking about Raven, not Tyler. RVD showed Sabu respect by choosing him as a partner. Sabu needs to respect him and help him defeat Furnace and Crawford. Gangsters say it's an extreme thing. It's not black or white. Dreamer says he wrestles every match that gets his last, and one day it will be. No one wants to live forever. The Eliminators say nothing stands between them and Doc and Gordy. And then we just see Doc and Gordy standing stoically, and Doc says they do their talking in the ring. So, Matt, any uh, thoughts on Pulp Fiction? Uh, Fonzie uh, staring, standing in the middle of a hurricane like a fucking maniac. What are you doing? It's like, I don't know what category that hurricane was, but he's getting fucking pelted by this stream of rain and water. Good Lord. Like, get in the car. You're going to die. If Wash him out the there, sea. For Wash God's him. sake. At least throw the whistle in there so you don't have to hear that. Oh, but yeah. um, So you know, they said Hurricane Josephine, right? Because that was yeah. 1984. So maybe it was a different one. <laughs> jo- jo- Josephine too. <laughs> this time it's personal. Uh, uh, it was a tropical storm, Josephine, in 1996. Oh. So it was. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Mm. <laughs> in Tampa. And, right. <laughs> by the uh, by, the second or third time we saw Dreamer uh, on the bridge, I was starting to think that he just lived there because he had been there for an awfully long time. <laughs> He's just standing there with Beulah, <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, but I, outside of that, I thought it was a, a fairly uh, standard Pulp Fiction, Jenny. Uh, y'all called it a bridge. I called it a castle in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I don't know, something about the angle, and it was some like sort brick. Of, I don't some know. sort of like rock wall. Dreamer's castle promo, obviously. He loves death and Beulah. That's all that matters. Um, yeah, Shane's little ponytail. Uh <laughs> It popped me. I don't know, cause his hair has been looking a little rough. Um, so I don't know. That little tiny ponytail might be better suited to him. Um, Lori's great again. Saturn always great. And Doc and Gordy looked absolutely insane at the end. Try to get the actual track of the storm, but it definitely occurred. Um, 
that week. It was October 4th it formed and dissipated October 13th. I don't think it ever became a hurricane, though. But it did go through Florida. There's an extreme in their description. It doesn't look like it went through Tampa, though. It said Tampa. But it did go through Florida. It made landfall in northwestern Florida along Apalachee Bay, produced a high storm surge, uh, went along the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, Fernandina. (laughs) Was that the bridge Tommy was on? Oh, God. (laughs) Edgewater. (laughs) <laughs> Levy to Lee County. I don't know. I looked a little north. Jacksonville. Okay. So maybe they were still getting the swell in Tampa, perhaps, as it came came aboard. It's possible. I don't know the exact location of all these places. What are you? Maybe he lives up front of Dana Beach. <laughs> get doing the weeds on this tropical storm yeah. <laughs> from 20 years ago. <laughs> all right. Best match, only match, Gex is Eliminators. Uh, yeah. No match or match because that was it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Best moment I gave uh, Shane's promo and Saturn's dive. Oh, Saturn's dive. Yeah, Saturn. You gotta oh, go Saturn. Oh, God, I don't know. That promo is fucking crazy. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. Most like, 90s. Oh, good, Matt. No, good. You're fine. Most 90s, how with uh, Shane's wheelchair? It was very 1990s looking. <laughs> um, I liked his little ponytail. Yeah, go with the wheelchair. I didn't have anything, so. Stock rising. I'm with Gertner, Douglas, Scorpio, and Saturn. And Francine for that joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, you gotta... <laughs> and Joey, although he can never get any higher, but still. And uh, Tommy, because he was high up on the bridge. Yeah, he was. He was. Mm-hmm. All right, I didn't have any stock falling. Uh, I thought everyone pretty much delivered this week. You guys? I mean, gangsters maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really have any. Not, not enough to make note of it. Right. I, I do have a question, though. Um, Kind of slipped in there. We found out that Too Cold is the number one contender for uh, Sandman. And I'm like, why? Yes. Like, yeah, it's kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The top international contender or whatever. Yeah. That's the one thing with ECW. Sometimes we do get shit like that, where it's just like they throw it out there. We're just supposed to accept it, I guess, but... I guess it's just, you know, as a consequence of him kind of randomly winning the belt anyway. So, you know, kind of have to throw together something. And they have a history, so I guess that makes sense. But kind of an odd thing. All right, final grade. I thought this was still a pretty good show. Uh, definitely a step down, obviously, from our last couple. But, you know, we still had a really good match and um, some big storyline stuff. So I went six and a half out of ten. Still a very good episode of ECW. Ooh, I'm going to do 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'll go 7 out of 10 as well. Uh, definitely a notch below the last two, but still a good episode for sure. All right, very, very good. So that wraps us up. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time with three more episodes of TV, and that'll take us right into November to remember. So rapidly closing on another calendar year, guys. <laughs> so our third calendar year that we're closing out. We've got a lot to go. Uh, before we get there, though, so big stuff to still happen. Anything that we didn't plug earlier that either of you want to hit on before we go? Uh, find me on Highway to the Impact Zone over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, and uh, should have a by the time you're hearing this, should have a uh, new episode of YouTube Roulette out as well. And you can find me on Twitter at msusa1991. Jenny, you good? Yep, I'm good. Uh, just Twitter at Jenny Position. All right. 
Stay extreme. We'll talk to you in two weeks. My mind ain't nothing but a total blank. I think I'll just stay here and drink. Yeah. Down.